Welcome to the podcast where we talk to guests about five moments in their lives they'll never forget. This is Backstory with Steve Legg. It's fabulous to have you with me today on the new show, where I bring together an incredible array of stars of stage and screen, stand-up comedians and magicians, writers and artists, leaders and entrepreneurs, to chat about the five significant times in their lives they'll never forget. It's great to have you here. So after 10 years living and working in Las Vegas, thousands of shows and hundreds of thousands of very happy fans, the British musical icon, Matt Goss has decided to come home to the UK, the place that rocket-powered his 80s band Bross to the top of the charts. He's back to release new music, and he's my very special guest. It's Matt Goss! (laughs) (laughs) Hello, my friend. Hello, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, my friend. Listen, we've seen you everywhere. You are doing so much of this. So I hope I can ask you a few things. Maybe you've not been asked tens of thousands of times. But <laughs> can we go back to the beginning, Matt? Where did your love of music come from? I think just growing up, in my, you know, I, I lived in Camberwell, 37 Crawford Road. And I think that was a house that actually, that was a house that... Um, just was full of music it was full of love it was it was the one time probably still to this day that I felt like I had a home if that makes sense it was I was with my granddad I was with my aunt Sally my brother Luke my mum and um, you know my Rita Rita, my mum's best mate next door I fancied her so much (laughs) I had a a major crush on her and um, it was just one of those places in the documentary after swimming stops the famous the the dark story was where we just we just you know, felt so at home and it was full of music. Like my aunt Sally introduced me to obviously Stevie and the, I think some of the greatest, the greatest four or five albums in, in, you know, succession as in, you know, songs in the key of life, fulfilling this first finale, talking book, um, uh, you know, you know, I think those albums and then even hotter than July, you can include, but it was, Oh, totally. Stevie was definitely Stevie was definitely the guy that, that we would sing to every day. Me and aunt, my aunt Sally, and then you know Cream and Free, and uh, some more on, on the old rock stuff, and just it was just always full of music. My granddad used to sing Frank and Mel Torme, and so I had this this wealth of of, of music around me on, on every level. It was just you know everyone in the house sang as well. It was just it's a beautiful time in my life. Did you ever play the instrument that strikes fear into the heart of every parent, the recorder? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what you were say then. I mean, I played the organ as a young kid. I still do, but um, um, I did not play. I did not play the uh, recorder. No, it wasn't, really, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't my go-to instrument. I did try the saxophone. Oh, but I okay. learned to play the solo from True. And then once I'd learned that solo, I, I never played it again. So, Matt, obviously, hundreds of thousands of girls had posters of you up um, as you became famous with Bros. Did you have any posters on your bedroom wall? Um, did I have any posters? I think David Bowie, um, uh, Blondie, for sure. Um, and I think Duran Duran. 
Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Did you get to work with any of those guys in latter years? No, I did actually drop off a package for my mate at his house, and Debbie Harry did answer the front door. And I was like, hello. <laughs> so I did get to see her, and uh, yeah, but not not worth them. I've, I've, I've met a lot of uh, the Drown boys, and they're all really lovely. Um, <clears throat> you know, super, super lovely guys. Um, but, um, and I did actually meet Bowie briefly at Elizabeth Taylor's 60th birthday party. Oh, now know? that is a name drop. I <laughs> love that. <laughs> didn't mean to name drop, but I actually I know, carry on. Never met Bowie, and I was like, all right, yeah. So I went to, I actually went to Disneyland for Elizabeth Taylor's 60th birthday party, <laughs> and um, with her Brits and and um, John Reed, the manager. Wow, Elton John's manager. Incredible. Yeah. Have you ever been starstruck, Matt? Uh, when I met Stevie Wonder, I uh, probably I, I was almost starstruck because I thought I was going to be terrified, but I was just so happy to meet him. It was at Motown Records in New York. Um, but I think the time that actually took my breath away uh, was when I had lunch. We had a luncheon with Princess Diana. That was a moment when I really felt, you know, that she just was full of like this beauty, this, this almost she knew the power of her. That sparkle she had in her eyes. It was just an incredible moment. And I think most recently, just before this beautiful man passed away, was when I met when I went to Muhammad Ali's house. I couldn't. It was like wow. I'm, I'm, I couldn't believe I was having lunch. It was just me and two other people, and you know. And uh, I sang. You know, I sang to Ali. Cause he asked me to. Just like I was asked to sing. Just he was just he held my hand so so tight. It was. You know, it was. I've got a video of me and him, just me and his house. So I don't know about Starstruck, but I was in awe of Ali. But definitely, definitely, Vince Starr made me blush. Wow, beautiful memories. Do you remember your first time on top of the pops? Was that a dream come true? Yeah, first, first time on top of the pops was one of those moments as a musician that is almost impossible to explain. When you were growing up as a kid, it it was it was an institution. It was it was definition of whether you were in the charts you could only be on it if you were in the charts and I'll never forget the first time we did we ended up doing it about I don't know 15 plus times but we maybe more but the first time we did Top of the Pops it was I couldn't believe how small it was first of all because it looked so big on TV but it was recorded as live so what you saw on TV was how it was recorded so you'd be You'd be there with some of the biggest bands like NXS were there, and or you know, yeah, you know, just all the biggest bands in the world would be playing before you or after you, depending on the chart position, and and um, you'd all see them in the dressing rooms. It was just, it was an incredible, incredible experience. There, I don't think there are any TV shows like that in the world anymore. No, not at all. So did you think you finally made it once you'd appeared on top of the pops? Or was there another moment when you thought, yeah? We're famous now. Well, Top of the Pops is definitely one of those moments where you thought you made it. Wembley Stadium, when you when you sell that, you know, sell that Wembley Stadium, that was definitely. But I think when my mum pulled a Christmas cracker, and one of the trivia trivia pursuit questions was who are the who are the members the two twins in Bros? Oh come on! And my mum said, <laughs> "I know the answer to this one." <laughs> I felt like I pretty much made it when when I'd made it made the triple triple kind of <laughs> cr- Christmas cracker moment, 
And I think also Spit and Image, getting a Spit and Image puppet was pretty, pretty phenomenal. Oh, that's amazing. Now, you, you mentioned Wembley. Yeah. Of course, you are in the record book still to this day, the youngest bloke to ever headline Wembley. Yeah. 77,000 yeah. people, Matt? Yes, it was. And uh, it was an extraordinary day. It's, in, it's still in my blood today. Impossible to get out of your memory banks. It's, uh, it's just embedded. It's part of my DNA at this point. Mm. Did you feel like a superstar? Yeah, I did. I felt very uh, Im- impossible not to. I mean, I think there's a time for false modesty, maybe, but not when you're playing the stadium. I mean, you did, you did feel, I did feel very successful at that point, and it was a phenomenal achievement. And to have people like Salt and Pepper and people like that, you know, opening Lisa Sandsfield and people like opening for you, and just just phenomenal, other phenomenal artists that I loved. It was just one of those days. And they were crazy, crazy times. I mean, it really was six months. Within six months, you were known everywhere across the globe. Yeah, and you, globally, yeah. And you created mayhem wherever you went. Did you feel a weight of responsibility, particularly towards your fans, the Brossettes? Um, I felt, you know, I think that even now, I think the sense of occasion is a nice thing. I think you... You know, I, I would like to think that I try and consider my environment, whether it be on stage or wherever I am, or if, if you have a meeting or whatever you're doing. I think there, there should be some sense of occasion where you you consider consider your audience, whether there be one an audience of one or two or or seventy seven thousand. I think a consideration of who you're around is important. Sure. Do Do you think, looking back, you handled fame well? I think so. I think that, you know, given that, that, you know, we were pretty battered at times and I think we handled it pretty well. I don't think, you know, I didn't fall upon drugs. I didn't fall upon any of that stuff. I, I you know, there were the days that I was highly confused by by some of it. And, and I think that you, we had to learn how to be in the press real time. It wasn't something you, I don't really care. Even if you have media training, I don't think you can really learn press unless you do a lot of it. Yeah. And, I think, you know, like we're having a conversation now, that is, a, to me, the definition of a good interview. So I don't think, I don't think that, you know, it should be a, you know, a multiple choice experience. It should be a conversation between two people that happens to be called in interviews. That's sure. the way I like to look at it. Sure. Uh, you went to the USA pretty much as unknown many years later, but through a lot of hard work, you got a residency in Vegas that did incredibly well. Please don't be modest about this because you won all sorts of awards for it, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, yeah, I got my own Matt Goss day. On August. They actually gave me my own day on August 8th, but it was they didn't know that it was also my mother's birthday. So <clears throat> it was a double kind of gift for me like to be given. And it was a proclamation by the, by the um, city council to make it a Matt Goss day on August 8th. Um, and that's a real honour for me. And I've learned a great deal from Vegas. And I'll always have a love affair in some ways of what that town has taught me. But it's just simply time for me to, to move on. I mean, I won the, my Icon Award the same day as Tony Bennett. Wow. Um, and Don Emery and White Wayne Newton. Just, we all won our Icon Awards on that day. And um, it was just, it was an incredible experience. Oh, and, I um, imagine. You know, and I think, you know, to go there unknown and then leave and have some, some sense of legacy there. I think that I'm very grateful for that town and I'm, and I'm, and I'm grateful for what that town has taught me, taught me composure 
told me that I have more time on stage, you know, as in I can converse with my audience, not just go from song to song. I can actually converse with my audience and have a mutual exchange of um, energy and experience. Mm. It's much more communicative, you know. So what did you miss most about the UK when you were in the States? I mean, are we talking drizzle, baked beans and Marmite or other stuff? Well, well it is. I mean, it, people think it's it's really weird to say, like what like my brother said, Black Cavs, Big Ben, but it's absolutely true. Like, you know, I feel very, very temporary in, in, in London. When I'm in London, for example, like buildings, they look back at you. They have a sense of majesty. They have a sense of that they're going to be here longer than us, which they are, most of them. <clears throat> and which gives you a, it's very humbling. So you're around history that, that you just feel like you're a moment in time. And I think it's a beautiful thing about this country. And to get into a black cab, I will tell you, to, I mean, I have an obsession with black cabs because nowhere in the world do people have to do the knowledge for like three years or so and learn the street in London. And when you get into a black cab, you feel safe and you feel invisible. I honestly think the Queen of England could be in the back, back of a black cab yes. and kind of just disappear. Mm. It's there's a, it's a safe environment, I think, it, and it's an, it, it, it's beyond an institution at this point. And we should protect those things with all of us, with all of us, with, with literally as in all of our beings. Because <clears throat> now, Matt, over the years you've worked hard, tremendous, <clears throat> tremendously hard, shown great resilience. Where does your strength come from? Is it family? Is it friends? Do you have a faith? <clears throat> I have deep faith. Yeah, I have a deep faith. I'm not necessarily overly religious, but I have a great, I, I believe in God and I, and I, you know, I love Jesus and I love, uh, sometimes I say the religion is the nosy part of faith. Sure. You know, I'm not really, I'm not really interested in what you do or how many times you pray or what you eat or what you don't do. Um, I, I, I think, and, but I will also say I'd rather be around a good atheist than a mean man of, of, of you know of the class, I, I think that <clears throat> you know I'm, a, I'm all about kindness, and somehow kindness to me relates to faith and relates to my belief in God. I also believe my faith, for me personally, is my telephone line to my mother and my sister, my grandmother, and my, my grandfather. That you know, people, big, big, big losses in my life, and I communicate with God like the way we're talking. It's just mm. very conversational and. I don't need to speak in verses, but I do speak to God every day. Um, I thank him every day. I live in a constant place of gratitude, but I'm not, um, <clears throat> I'm not necessarily in the mindset that God has a white beard and, and, uh, and sandals and a Marks and Spencer's nightdress. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, <laughs> well, I think, God, I think God would like Marks and Spencer's though. Now you say that. They're very comfy actually, was, aren't they, Matt? <laughs> I think if God was going to shop anywhere, you've got a prawn cocktail sandwiches. I mean, I think that he would, he would be up for that. I think that's an exclusive. We like that. <laughs> Matt, we're almost out of time. We so appreciate this. How does it feel to be on the road again? It, you know what, to be, to be in London and to be in a city that I was born and to have, get out of a black cab, talking about black cabs yesterday and have him ask me to, FaceTime his sister and he wanted a selfie and just we walked down to um, German Street the other night and just the, and it was just I don't know 20, 30 people face, you know, FaceTimes selfies hugs I'm a very very lucky man this country treats me like I'm part of the family and frankly it's very much needed and it's I actually mean this in quite a deep level like I needed 
some familiarity in my mm. life. I'm, I have a great, I've, I've, I've lost a lot, a lot of my family and um, we don't have a very supportive family, me and Luke. And when I come back to the UK, the British public treat me like I'm part of their family. So I will be forever grateful for the way I'm treated here. We love you, man. We really do. We really do. Uh, uh, Matt, what can we expect uh, on the new album? The new album is it's called The Beautiful Unknown. Um, it, it, I named it that because I use that phrase a lot in my poetry. I wrote a lot of poetry in inner philosophy, if you like. And <clears throat> I, I feel like we've had an inherent fear of tomorrow than in the following weeks, months, and years to come. I think we 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 have to try and believe that the unknown is is a good place. It's not as scary as we kind of have this dread. Um, if you think about even the afterlife, we, we assume that heaven is going to be better than where we are now, even though my, I, I would love to believe that I'll see my mum in that place um, I, I and the people I love. But we have to live in the present a little more and, and be grateful for where we are and have faith that, that, that tomorrow is going to be okay. And I honestly have seen throughout my life that we we – all the things we worry about very rarely happen. And I'm a bit of a worrier at times and I'm I'm also on a kind of on a self kind of in, imposed journey of try to believe my own words of the beautiful unknown and that tomorrow's gonna be okay and I'm gonna lift my friends up and I'm gonna lift acquaintances like yourself. We're gonna lift let's lift each other up. Because it's a much happier place to live. And I've noticed that when you actually live in a place of optimism and gratitude I don't know why it is, but things just seem to fall into place in a, in a much more, um, with, with more fluidity, I should say. Sure. And I think I would advise that, really. Matt, we love that. Um, so grateful. One last very quick question. How proud would your mum be of you now? Ah, that question. Um, that hits me in my heart quite hard. Um, that's the one thing. Oh, excuse me. She would be very proud. I know she I, would. I think. I think. I think that's probably the one thing that I would like to ask, like to know for sure. Yeah. Sorry. Excuse me. Not at all, Matt. I know how close you were. I think. To I, think I think it's just being, uh, just being home. You know. Yeah. Matt. Yeah. Th- thanks. Sorry, for... I don't know that that hit me so hard. Sorry about that. Not at all. We so appreciate your honesty and being vulnerable and open. Thank you so much. We can't wait for the album. See you on tour. Look after your voice as well, my friend. Uh, there's Matt right, There's Matt Goss. Thank you. You're listening to the Backstory Podcast, where we remember the good times, the things you love, the things you are, the things you never want to lose. So there we go. Thanks so much for listening right to the very end. It'd be great if you can do me a quick favour before you go. Simply head over to wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five stars and leave a glowing review too. It really does make a massive difference. Then, quite simply, we shoot up the charts, more people listen, and it really is happy days. Thanks a million. You've been listening to the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Catch you next time.